I'd like for you to turn to Matthew, the first chapter. We have read some passages that is keeping with the season of thought that Christ came into the world in the flesh and let's look at the 18th verse of the first chapter the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph she was engaged to him usually lasted at least three months before they came together that's what that referred to she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the virgin birth. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, so God interceded through an angel, said, now wait just a minute, Joseph, thy son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now that never happened before, just like that, with God being made known. It happened with Hannah. It happened certainly with uh, Abraham when he brought Isaac. It was an intervention of God that caused that to come about. But it didn't, it didn't bring God. It brought a human being. We've been prepared with God knowing that all things are possible with him. But here is God comes in the flesh. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name. That means Savior. Jesus means Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. Glory, hallelujah. That's the reason why the angels sang. That's the reason why heaven was uh, notifying humanity that this was happening. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet saying, this is in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and the sixth and seventh verse. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. Now shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means being interpreted God with us. So God is born in the flesh. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him, his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her son, and they called his name, just like the teaching the angel had said, Jesus. And I believe upon reflection that... Uh, this is a great time to preach Christ, a great time of the year to preach Christ. You know, he, uh, he was born and came into this world uh, in, uh, in a manger. And we have his message from the cradle to the cross. 
he was a teacher. He was so fiercely rejected during his lifetime that it ended at the cross. Imagine God coming in the flesh and then being rejected and having to die the most cruel death known to man at that time. And a person who was guilty, but yet he was innocent. He was not guilty. He continued his time until it was completed, until he was raised from the dead and given eternal life and to show people it could be available to everybody. He demonstrated that, that this is the message that I came to give man. I came, he said, to give life and that more abundantly. This message is one that, that we all highlight in our preaching. And it should be highlighted in a time like this when we're celebrating that Christ was born as a whole. Each year we ought to think about more about eternal life when people are reflecting that Christ was born. We know he was born. And when we think about this, it's a wonderful, how this wonderful God, this wonderful God being human and came to give all of us a message, a message. It is hard for me to imagine that uh, what it must have been like being the uh, God who created all things to experience the feeling of birth and coming into the flesh. It's difficult for me to understand how our God can grow up with all of these emotions that we have, and yet knowing all that he knew, all the challenges of, of youth, all the opportunities of uh, adulthood, and knowing fully well that the world would really reject him and wouldn't accept him and wouldn't listen to him. They hated him. They had beaten him. They had finally killed him for committing no sin, no wrongdoing at all. And I just think about when he was from the time that he was born, he knew his purpose here. And he was waiting for this rejection and for this response from humanity. I just wonder at the age 12, when he was speaking, when his mother and his dad went on back to Nazareth, and he was speaking to the adults, the elders, the lawyers, the doctors of, of the law, and he was trying to get them to understand the wealth of his knowledge. He could talk with them and give them answers that they didn't even know. What a dilemma that posed for them. 
I, I wonder what it must have been like to face the crowds of people that thought he was crazy. His own family thought he was crazy. And many people that rejected his teaching, when he had gone, he's trying to tell them that he's God. And all of this emotional strain, and how he had to hide from the main people who control the religious world so they wouldn't kill him before his time. While we sing away in a manger, no crib for his bed, I wonder how the creator of the universe could love us so much that he reduced himself to us in order to save us. When I see us have pictures of Jesus dying on the cross, and we have enacted that a lot of times. Man has. He's uh, from the cradle to the grave. We'll picture this. God came in person through the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ, to save a world of lost sinners, to save a world that would not accept is telling us the truth. I believe full well, and the Bible establishes this, that God knew what it would be like for Jesus. I believe full well that Jesus knew what it would be like. He told over and over again his disciples about his having to go to the cross. And don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to the cross. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of the unseen world will not keep me from doing that. I'll prevail against it. But he said, it's not time now. Don't tell anybody. He was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration before Peter, James, and John. And he, they heard Moses and Elijah talking, and they were talking about his death. It was imminent. He had to die. And he said, now, don't tell anybody. They didn't understand it. But Jesus, it was a struggle. Paul wrote later that Jesus emptied himself in Philippians 2 and in Hebrews 5 and, and verse 8, and he says, Though he were son, yet learn the obedience by the things which he suffered. In Philippians 2, he said, He became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. He was as God, but he came in flesh and gave himself for us. It was the event of human history turning God into human, that humans may be turned into God. And why we can't get that? Why people will die without Christ, I do not know, except disbelief. This event was so great that millions spoke 
of that day when it would happen. Thought prophets, priests, and kings. It's a theme of the Bible. It pointed forward to the time that Jesus would come in the flesh. This event was so great that millions have spoken of it since that day. And they point backward to it. And we all know it. It's a mystery that's been made clear. Millions speak of it today with faith and hope that point to a new life. That the birth, the death, the resurrection of Christ brings. And it's called the gospel. It's called the good news. God's people throughout history have had special days. God had at least five feasts and three prominent feasts that he had people to keep for purposes known to him and for his work. God didn't designate for us to keep Jesus being born. But since man has, I think we ought to be smart enough wise enough to use the time that people are thinking about Christ coming into the earth to capitalize on that thought and to say, he's here. He's here. He's the king. He's the Messiah. He wants to end your life. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's available. We ought not to allow this the only time. The tragedy is, if we allow this the only time that God and his Son are honored and thought about, it's the same mistake that man made when he was here in the flesh forgot that he was God. You know, the compassion of Christ, the greatest thing of all is this, that when you see the compassionate Christ coming into this flesh, you're seeing God. This is the comfort which the coming of Christ gives to every creature. And it is all in this word, Emmanuel. For Emmanuel means God with us. And with us, he's with us in Jesus Christ. But you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in his flesh, that he came in flesh, and that he knows what we're going through. He can go through the darkness with you. God is saying, my friend, you must not carry the load of troubles and cares and facing death alone. No longer. Cast it at my feet, and I'll carry it for you. I will take it, and I will carry it. If you don't have Jesus, you don't believe in him, and you don't trust him, you don't have that great promise. That's God's part. That's Jesus' part. 
The psalmist said, The Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? With all our poor human words of comfort, when they break down utterly, God's strength begins. Emmanuel means that when you feel nobody wants you, Nobody can help you. God does. Emmanuel means that when your heart is crying to every would-be comforter, ah, you don't understand. You can't see things from this side or this way. Emmanuel means that God is right inside. We put Christ on. He is in you and he is the hope of glory. Emmanuel means with you and with me, God goes all the way. <clears throat> God makes pain easy to bear. Christ turns conflict into a crusade. Christ takes broken dreams and makes a ladder to heaven to the right hand of God. God speaks to every individual when they open the door and let Christ in. But you know, I know that there is one comfort that we need more than anything else. The sorrows, the calming of our cares, the burdens, the stress, and one of the worst things is our sins. There's no way of penetrating the thoughts and minds of people and knowing their sinful nature. Only God can do that. And only he did it through Christ. And of all the sins that man commits, Jesus came to take them away. And you know, what we need more than anything else is to understand that this song that was sung by the angels in Luke, the second chapter. We usually sing the last part of it, and we hear people talking about the last part of it. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. There's three parts to that. I want you to look at that, and I want us to think about the angel's song. And it's quoted in the Old Testament many times. The 14th verse, the second chapter. Glory to God in the highest. Jesus 
came that we might be forgiven, we might be righteous, that we might be in his body. His body is the church. He established it so that we could be a member of his body. And when we began to talk about glory to God in the highest, it's because we have been delivered from our own sins and we have made a part of the righteousness of God. And when we do that, there'll be peace. There'll be forgiveness. And then we'll have the will that's goodness toward all men. We usually sing the last part of this, goodwill toward men in this time of the season. But we should sing the first part first. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth toward men of goodwill. You know, Jesus came that he might save the lost. I came to seek and to save the lost. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul. I came that you might have life, and that more abundantly. The last thing that he ever said was how people ought to become a member of his body. It's very simple. According to Mark, he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The saved is the church. He that believeth and is baptized, which is into his death, his burial, and his resurrection, shall be saved eternally. Let me share this with you. In Romans 6, is one of the best treatments of baptism to show you how to participate with the living Christ who came in the flesh. The old man is crucified, the body of sin is destroyed, and we put him on. If you can't understand that passage, we can turn to Galatians 3, 21, and 26, 27. And he has the same as Mark does, he that believes in his baptized to say, he has it, we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, just as many of us as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. Put on Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You're insulated against death. You're insulated against all the foes that are without that don't believe in Christ. doesn't matter. If your life is taken because you believe in Christ, you have eternal life. Now, a person, Jesus said when he was going to the cross, it was just after the Mount, of, uh, just before the Mount of Transfiguration, where that he had a message from Elijah and Moses. And just before that, Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the one that angels sing about. That's the one the prophets have been talking about. He had courage enough to say, you, you're this Christ. And he said, yes, I'll tell you, I'm going to be delivered up and I'm going to be killed. Peter said, don't say that. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. His death was imminent. It had to happen. You know the reason? So he could deliver each one of us from death. And he said at that time, he said, upon this rock, what rock? That I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'll fulfill, I'll come in to 
earth. I've taken on flesh. I'm going back to God. He said, don't tell anybody. But as you know, the Mount of Transfiguration told the story. This had to happen. And God spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Now today, we need to hear him. We need to hear him. He came from the cradle to the cross that you might live forever. Now you can take him by the hand as you confess him and are baptized into him and you can be added to his body. Acts 2, 47 says they were added to the body. They that should be saved. Who was it that should be saved? He that believed and was baptized. He that is baptized in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Well, what church did they become a? They became a member of the body of Christ. And no one ever became a member of the body of Christ by obeying a denominational doctrine or being a member of a denomination. No one. No one ever became a member of a denomination that obeyed the gospel and was added to the Lord's church. Let me say that again. No one who ever heard Jesus and confessed him and put him on and was added to the church or was baptized in his body or put him on ever became a member of a denomination. No one. What did they become a member of? The body of Christ. No one who ever became a member of a denomination was necessarily ever added to the body of Christ unless they did what Christ did. So we're in a time when people want to sacrifice standards and messages. See, we're living in a time, and you've heard so much this week about Ebonics. And that might disturb some people. You've heard the responses of people saying, we don't do away with standards just to select a lesser. But we're living in that time. People want to make people who are following false teaching and false doctrine feel good. And so they sacrifice standards to make them feel good. That doesn't save them. The only thing that saves man is the blood of Christ and the death and burial and resurrection of Christ and Christ believing in Christ coming and taking on flesh and being a member of his body. And that's what the good news is all about. And you know, we have different people here this morning. You may be here for the first time. If you are, we appreciate your presence. But if you're here and you fail to see Jesus at the right hand of God and that Jesus, as I said last Sunday, is 2,000 years into the flesh. 
He was born 4 B.C., we know that. Her calendar's off that much, so it's already 2,000 years since he was born. And these people who want to scare you and say, well, it's coming 2,000, he may come back. He may come back any time. But it's been 2,000 years since he came into the flesh. And people said he was a devil, rejected him, crucified him, and in all of that he became the prince of life and just preached through Peter and Paul and others the first century, and people still rejected him. And for a thousand years after the first 300 years, we had a time that they just did away with the Bible, just almost didn't know anything about it. A devil has been on the rampage. And now we've come to light, and we have the message, and people are celebrating Christmas, Christ coming to the earth, but they're still rejecting his message. That he's Emmanuel, he's God in the flesh, in your flesh, if you'll let him give you eternal life. And it's very simple. You just believe in him and let him save you and add you to his body. You don't have to worry about which church is right. You won't miss it. He'll add you to the right one, his. And all you do is confess that he's your Lord and he's your Savior. And you'll live forever and ever with him. Don't worry about dying. Don't worry about diseases. Don't worry about this old body. It's going to perish. It's not if we die. It's when we die. But Christ has eternal life. And he gives it to people who come to him. He's asking you this morning, the greatest Christmas you could ever have is to give Christ a gift of your heart. And he in turn will give you a gift of eternal life. Will you give him your heart? Those of you who have been negligent and just come when you want to, and set Christ on the back shelf and give haphazardly. Look at yourself. Examine yourself. Christ is asking for your heart. It doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's eldering. It just matters who is Christ and if you want Emmanuel in your life. Just wake up. Let's let him in. Revelation 3 says, I stand at the door and knock to you lukewarm people that brought us here. And any time you want to open your hearts, are you open and let me come in? I'll sup with you and be with you. He's saying the same thing. It's been 1,900 years. And you receive his voice. He was once dead, but now he's alive forevermore. As we stand together and sing.